Well, hello, race fans. My name is Rob Howden. Welcome to another edition of the Road to Indy Insider. This is actually episode number 19. We are well into the 2019 season. And of course, the breakdown podcast that we're looking at today will be focused on the events at Road America. Always a pleasure to get back to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Uh, the track's tremendous. The racing's always great. All the sideline extras like great brats and whatever it may be, awesome beer, all, uh, all connected uh, anytime you make a trip uh, up to Road America. So it was a great weekend all overall. And actually, the guy that's joining me here on the podcast today actually joined us on IndyCar Radio as well from Trackside Online and TSO Ladder, Mr. Steve Wittick. Steve, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Thanks for having me on again, Rob. Uh, yeah, any anytime you get to go to Road America and Elkhart Lake, is a uh, it's a treat. If you haven't been, go. Yeah, first and foremost, the the weekend, you know, there was potential for precipitation. They thought even Sunday, it actually didn't even happen until after the IndyCar race. So all of the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires uh, series run in uh, dry conditions. Uh, some pretty nice weather, a little chilly in the morning. We were in the high 50s in the morning, but it got to the mid-70s pretty much every day. So uh, a good uh, change spectrum of weather for the mechanics and the drivers to deal with. But all in all, just a great, a great weekend. Before we go competition, Steve, let's talk about the atmosphere. I, I ended up getting going for two brats. I was too busy on Sunday to get a brat in, but I got a couple. I went one with sauerkraut and mustard, and then uh, I got a little hookup with uh, <clears throat> a couple guys that we know said, hey, you got to try the Dusseldorf mustard. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was, that was Dave Hopple. Yeah. Dave Hopple said, you got to do the mustard, oh, yeah. and I loved it. It was great. I did a double brat for the second one. <laughs> what about? What about well, you? You're a double brat, don't you? I mean, it's seriously. But yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty traditional. I Dusseldorf mustard and uh, sauerkraut, and then I put like two or three onions on it, and that uh, that's usually my brat. I, I think I did two. I can live with that. I think I did two. Oh, um, I did uh, my typical gearbox uh, breakfast on Sunday morning, big breakfast, like four pancakes, sausages, whole works. But yeah, I never, never complained. Damn. Did you? Uh, I know you were talking about going to the Brown Bear for wings. Did you not? Oh get yeah, it? of course. More than one, in fact. <laughs> of course. Yes. Really? Yes. Wow, good yes. man. I only one had, one the, the, one only the had wings one night, though. I, I, I right. held off the second night. One of the badass bars, of course, in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And, and, and you know, well, let's move into that a bit, Steve. Like the cool factor about Road America, and again, this you know when they brought it back on the calendar. People came flocking. I went down to talk to our, my friends, uh, Bob and Sheila Wilson. We watched some of the races in turn three after we were all wrapped up. But campers everywhere. It just seemed like there was a – I know they said potentially down a little bit on on, on the uh, actual uh, attendance. But, man, it still seemed like the place was packed, tons of fans. And they're always you know, they're always so ed- educated on the sport when you go to Road America. Yeah, it's definitely one of the uh, – they're definitely some of the better fans. I think a lot of that has to do with – you know, it's a, it's a great area for SCCA with SCCA and Prince and, you know, the runoffs have been there quite a bit. Yep. It's, just, it's just a great area. A lot of people, racing fans from Chicago come up there. Um, you know, a lot of people, I've met a few people, like quite a few people from Minneapolis area too, which is, you know, yeah. the Brainerd Raceway and SCCA action there. It's pretty good, pretty good hotbed of racing there too. So you're right. You know, you're right. You're definitely, right. Uh, it draws a big crowd from a very wide area. Well, I know that I told my stepfather and his good buddy to go up there one year, and, and they actually came over because the, they're they're rabid fans that way too. And you're right; people will people will travel to get to Road America. I think that's the key deal. Um, all right, let's jump into this ed- edition of the breakdown, the podcast of the of my Road to Indy Insider program here. Uh, 
Steve, let's get started with the Indy Light Series. Uh, nine cars, you know, we've, we've kind of dropped off from the start of the season, which was a bit of a shame, but we did know that drivers like Julian Falchero, uh, we were on kind of uh, just one or two race deals. Of course, we lost Zachary Clayman as well, uh, no longer with Bellardi. That opened up the opportunity for Aaron Tielitz to come. So really, that was kind of one of the cool stories coming in was the, uh, the return of Aaron Tielitz. Yeah, it's always good to have Aaron uh, back in the uh, road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires Paddock. He's uh, he's been around a while, and uh, he's a lot of fun and um, really good shoe too. So it's never yeah. it's never a complaint to have him back. And I know uh, Brian Bellardi wants to be able to show off what those cars can do, and Aaron definitely did that. Yeah, and that was the thing, right? The, the cool thing about Road America, it's kind of you know Aaron's Aaron's a Wisconsinite. Yep. Uh, he loves a spot, loves a spot, spotted cow, mm-hmm. and uh, but but this guy can wheel. At Road America, you know, you go back, and I, and I, I almost count it kind of as his breakthrough weekend or turning point weekend, right? In, in Pro Mazda oh, a couple of years ago, of course, Pro Mazda now Indy, Indy Pro 2000. But when he kind of broke that big run of Pato Award as teammate at Team Pelfrey, it was Road America where Aaron was able to, you know, back, go back to back wins and eventually go on to win the championships. So it's kind of it's it's his home track, of course. He's raced carts here before he raced cars, uh, even on the big track in road racing. But it really was that turning point for him. It's got to hold him a majorly special place in his heart. Yeah, it does. And I know his, his one of his big supporters, uh, Rice Lake Wang Systems, is, is you know, it's it's still in Wisconsin. I know, you know, you think Wisconsin's not that big a state, but it's, I think it's still three hours away. But I know they brought a lot of people. He had a lot of sponsors there. And yeah. it's a good opportunity for him to entertain people and have his family come watch him race. And, uh, you know, he's still, I know he's still working hard to get back, get, get into an Indy car. You know, I think he's in a in the Lexus uh, IMSA this weekend at Watkins Glen, but I know he's working really hard to be an. He wants to be an IndyCar driver. First, well, and he's with he's with the team, right? Yeah. He's essentially he's running for uh, for Aim Vassar Sullivan, and of course, Vassar Sullivan, the connection to IndyCar with Dale Coyne. So I know he's working hard. He's had a lot of IndyCar races as well, making sure he's there, and of course, working with Jimmy Vassar uh, and and the whole Jimmy Vassar Sullivan crew. Uh, kind of setting him up to potential, like you said, if he can if he can put it together, yeah, it could be an in, in IndyCar next year or the year after. All right, so let me do a quick little recap of race number one, then you and I can talk about it a little bit. We'll do recaps before each deal. Uh, we'll chat a bit, and then we'll uh, continue to look at the championship. So Indy Lights opening race, of course, the 4.01-mile racetrack, uh, one of the favorites, if not the favorite, of most of the drivers in the road to Indy. Road America, just such a tremendous uh, track uh, in terms of the driver experience. Um, out of the box, pretty much though, uh, Steve, the, the driver with the pace uh, was Renus VK. And I guess you kind of go back to last year when you know Victor Franzoni was able to win with Hokos Racing. They they have a pretty good setup. They've got a unique setup, and it's good at, at Road America. Uh, I'll, here's just a quick recap. Of course, you know VK qualifies on the pole, uh, leading the opening lap, coming through seven. Uh, goes four wheels off in seven, comes back onto the racetrack. Good job to save it, first and foremost. Sure. So he goes to the outside of the racetrack for turn eight. Uh, Robert McGinnis gets aggressive in the Andretti Autosport number 27, dives to the inside, looks uh, an aggressive look, let's say, to the inside, turn number eight. Renus comes across with a big right-to-left block, just a, a straight, uh, you know, a reactive block. Uh, and it came pretty quickly down from race control that he was getting a drive-through penalty. Pretty stiff, potentially. We'll talk about your thoughts on that. But he gets the drive-through. That changes the race. Uh, that essentially opens the door for Ryan Norman to step up. He ends up scoring the victory. Uh, Ryan Norman, of course, won last year gateway on the Oval. Uh, his first road course win for a driver I think we all expected to kind of challenge for the championship as the veteran 
uh, competitor in Indy Lights this year. So Norman gets the win by almost five seconds as he was able to pull away from Robert McGinnis, who finished second, and Aaron Tielitz, who started in sixth spot, actually able to move up a couple of spots, um, showing kind of the pace that he he had as they continued to develop the platform over the weekend. Tielitz ended up finishing third. Toby Sowery was fourth. Oliver Askew fifth. Uh, Renus VK getting back to seventh position. As Again, he was that far back, but was able to kind of uh, work his way forward. So Norman with a big win, but let's start off with your thoughts. Uh, let's let's start off with your thoughts on the, the on the defense first for Renus VK. Steve, what do you think of that? Oh, that was a block. No offense, you bunch of okay. it was a block. Right. I think Renus would, would admit to it being a block as well. Whether the penalty was fair, um, that's another yep. discussion. Um, but you know they 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 go back. Everyone goes back to Oliver Askew and Robert McGinnis on the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway road course, and you know. What uh, Oliver there just had to give up the position. Well, I guess talking to Tony Kopman and Johnny Unser um, before the week or after that race, you know, they kind of uh, race control for Indy Lights. They uh, they said in the drivers' meeting before the weekend started that that what Oliver did at Indianapolis is going to be a drive-through from now on, and and okay, it was. <laughs> um, right. it so was that was that was stated. Blocking blocking that, penalties ended up being a drive-through. So. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I well, that's listen. They were hey, that's the way to shut it down, right? Yep. Exactly. That's the way to shut it down. Walking can be dangerous, so I, I understand. Well, you know, the, and where I kind of feel a little bit for Renus was he was so fast he didn't he, he couldn't let McGinnis go by. Oh yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. You've you've made the mistake. You went four wheels off. Take the penalty, which is having to lose a spot. Yeah, you, you know what? You went four wheels off in seven. You're probably going to lose a position. Yeah. If he would have let McGinnis go by, you know he would have got him probably the next run down to turn number one or down to five. No, probably for sure. Yeah. yeah and, I think and, that's, and that's just decision-making. Yeah, exactly. And that you learn. You live and learn, right? Then I'm mm-hmm. sure Renus is, is a smart enough driver and takes his, you know, he's he, he's going to learn from that and he won't do it again. And I I went back and watched it a couple times and, you know, you can actually, if you if you watch Renus closely, you can see him look both ways into his mirror. So it's not like he didn't know what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. So, yeah, there, um, yeah, there it is. You know, <laughs> that, that to me is uh, right there. That says, okay, yeah, that uh, that's a block. Uh, you know, and and they were told what the penalty was going to be. So it's fair, and as long as it's consistent, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, blocking Agreed. blocking can, you know, it ends up being usually the worst worst incidents we see. So I have no issue with it whatsoever. Well, you know, the funny thing is we don't see a lot of blocking in IndyCar no, because you, you can't do it. You just, you, it's not something we see. We see a lot of it in in uh, in the road to Indy. I think a lot of that comes from the karting days. I think the guys in karting are used to kind of doing the block yeah. move or, or the defensive run, the defensive line, whereas you don't see it in IndyCar because it's just you're going to get a penalty. Right. It's as simple yeah, as that. Exactly. So now, now, Steve, I picked uh, Aaron Tielitz as my star of the race for that one just because, you know, 10 months on the shelf, essentially. You know, he, he did run the, the Freedom 100, but you know, essentially did a practice session. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had one yeah, practice exactly. session, really. Um, but it's been 10 months since he's been on the Oval. I'd rather been on the road course. And I thought he did a great job, got in the car, got dialed in. He told me that his initial practice session he was pretty rusty. Yeah. He was missing a lot of apexes, but he was able to dial it in on six to third, I thought was solid. I go back and like, is there anybody else you would talk to? Like I, I, one of the ones I thought was impressive too, and I probably could have went this way, knowing the struggles of the, of the team to start the weekend. But Toby Sowery was an absolute bull on the opening oh, yeah. lap. Like he was yeah, going he's forward been on it all for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience with rolling starts. He's been on it all season on the first lap. He's uh 
he's one of those guys. He seems to be good on on cold tires, um, or before they get warmed up really well, and he can he definitely makes up yeah some positions. I actually for my driver of the race, and that one I actually go Rob McGinnis. Really? Yeah, okay. Um, he, you know, he fell back at the start. Fell back. Uh, you know, he got the lead. Lost a few spots. Uh, sat back and forth. Uh, talked to him after the race. He did that on purpose. Sat back there. Learned. Said what he learned at Coda. Took what he learned at Coda. Uh, knew that he had to hold on to the tires as long as he could. Didn't use up his push to pass. Waited for for a couple of the guys in front of him to to start losing their tires, and then he just decided to attack and. Managed to move it way back up to second. So I thought that was a really good drive for Rob. Probably probably one of his most mature drives he's had. I know he's won the race, but I thought it was yeah. a really mature drive. And, uh, you know, if he had a few more laps, he probably would have caught uh, Ryan as well because he was catching him at the end. That's uh, that's really good insight, and that's uh, very, very cool to hear. Indeed, fast lap of the race, though, of course, going to Renus VK still pretty quick, uh, 124.43 miles per hour. Uh, and again, Norman, as we said, getting off to the start. Let's uh, let's fast forward then over into Sunday's race. And again, I guess you know, you think mindset, right? For uh, for Renus VK, Steve, you, you've had that issue. You know, you made the mistake, and and you've got to get yourself you know in the night in the debrief. You sit down, and you got to get your you get your mind right. And I think that Renus was able to do that. He came out and did a tremendous job on Sunday. Yeah, he absolutely dominated that race on Sunday. Yeah, yeah there was no if ands, or buts. He had the fastest car all weekend. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a combination of him and the team. And, you know, they were also the only team, I think, that actually tested there this year. So not only have they been faster in the past, they had, uh, they've been there this year. So whatever changes the track had over the winter, which it, up there it does, it becomes more abrasive. He, he, uh, he definitely learned uh, – you know, how to hold on to those tires. And he did credit a little bit of how far he was able to pull out on Sunday to what he learned Saturday, pushing every lap really hard, just to learn what the tires could take and what they couldn't take. Nice. So yeah, he wins by almost 13 seconds. Uh, Ryan Norman coming home in second again. So a really good points haul in total for Ryan Norman to get himself back up into the championship discussion. Oliver Askew able to uh, kind of uh, hold on there as well. Wasn't really an old, Overall, really wasn't a stellar weekend for Oliver Askew. Coming off that win at the Freedom 100, he did not come in with the momentum and you know really put a stamp on the series. Just kind of more of a workman kind of deal, right? Didn't have the greatest results, but still a decent one. Ends up finishing third on on Sunday in race two. David Malukas, I thought, was impressive. He was my star of the race in race two. Uh, just the overall pro- progress throughout the entire weekend. Malukas ends up in fourth, and Aaron Tielitz, again, uh, in the P5. Uh, additional thoughts from you? Steve, on, on the run, other than the domination from Renus VK? Absolutely no uh, ifs, ands, or buts that Malukas was the star of the race. He sort of did a little bit of what McGinnis did on Saturday, where he kind of sat back and watched everyone else run their tires off and then started to make a run at the end. Um, and yeah, Askew did what he needed to do. Uh, it's not a track that he's had much success at. He, you know, like every other driver, they can't really explain why they don't. But, uh, you know, Askew was pretty lucky to end up where he did on Saturday. He I think it was the exit of turn two or the exit of turn one he went off on saturday and they lost one of the bolts to hold the steering in place so he, he broke saturday. yeah he broke know saturday's that. race oh. with a, a very floppy steering wheel and uh, if you watched his lines he pretty much avoided the curbs at, at on saturday so actually coming home <laughs> in fifth was like, i would have wow. pulled into the pits personally but you know um that's why i'm not a race car driver and he is yeah. so 
You know, that's, that's right. actually that's right. you know, he could have that. ended yeah. up behind Renus very easily there and you know, but he did he hung on to it and managed to come home with a fifth, which actually isn't too bad. And then he I thought they uh he definitely was gaining on Norman uh, in Sunday's race, but yeah, no one could touch BK. No. no, God, no, he was just gone, as you said. Um, here's one thing that's interesting, and we can kind of maybe wrap up the Indy Lights component of this uh, breakdown podcast. One of the storylines, of course, other than Aaron Tietlitz coming in to run with Bellardi Auto Racing, was Jeff Fickling being added or being hired as a, essentially the engineer for BN Racing. And I think you kind of saw the progression throughout the weekend. This is a young yeah. team, obviously, Britt Nuttall, who's, who uh, runs BN Racing. You know, they, they have a They've got all the cars. They've got a USF 2000 team. They were planning on running a team in Indy Pro 2000, and then they also have the Indy Lights program. So probably stretched a bit thin to a certain extent. But, you know, culture's always top down. Bren's got his own program, what he's doing. But to bring in a veteran like Fickling, you know, you know that he would probably go through there. And essentially, his first weekend, he's just he's assessing the team. He's assessing the staff, the equipment. He's assessing the, the, the setup, you know, and it really – I find it interesting how somebody new like that can come in and then, you know, I have to kind of put his mark on it right. as, as the engineer for the team. Right. Yeah, he does. And it's, you know, it'll take a, you know, I expect this, this is one of those that might not even pay off in Toronto, but by the time we get to mid Ohio, I suspect it'll start to pay off uh, yeah. to have Jeff around and to be able to, to work. I think, uh, you know, it'll be actually really good for Bryn and David and Toby. Toby has a reputation of being a, a pros pro where he can help you with the setup and, I think working with a good engineer like Jeff will will uh, move that team forward a lot. And, you know, Bryn's – this is a new challenge for him to engineer something this, you know, this far up the ladder. And, you know, he'll be able to learn, and then David will be able to sponge that all in too. So I think – Agreed, it yeah. Might, it might take another another weekend or two, but I think it – you know, by the end of the season, I, I expect those, both those guys to be challenging for podiums, if not wins. So point-wise <laughs> – Things get pretty interesting here in Indy Lakes now because Oliver Askew still with the lead uh, with 229 points, I believe. Renus VK now second spot, back by just three points, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Robert McGinnis and Robert uh, Ryan Norman rather separated by just two points in third and fourth, and Toby Sowery not that far back as well. But McGinnis and Norman are significantly far back now, right? They're like four days, 49 45, points yeah. back, uh, 43, 43 points back. Yeah, 186 for McGinnis and 184 for Ryan Norman. But again, all it takes is someone getting on a streak, exactly. right? That's all. Yeah, and Norman, it's really Norman all it is, is kind of on that streak right now, right? Like he's uh, definitely he on. Yeah. The last three races have been very, very good for Ryan, and you know, got some confidence. He did the IndyCar tests, so you know he's going to have some conf- extra confidence from doing that. So I, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, you know, that team, it's there. Those three guys are very, very equal right now. I think it's going to be interesting to see which one of them steps up and leads the rest of the season. Well, and for me, the interesting thing too, is now we're going, you know, now we go to Toronto, the streets of Toronto. So you immediately look back at St. Petersburg, who did well at St. Petersburg, who was quick on the, on the street circuit. Norman actually was, I think the fastest guy out of the box. Was he not at St. Petersburg in the opening session? And, and then just didn't kind of keep that momentum going throughout the weekend as everybody else stepped up. So you know he's got the pace there. You know he's going to be able to get the job done. I I, I love the way this championship is is kind of uh, kind of developing right now because I think it's going to be a lot of fun before we're done. Yeah, I really think so too. It's going to be yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to, when we go to Toronto. You know, it's um, Andretti didn't necessarily have the quickest cars at St. Petersburg, and yeah. you know, 
Juncos hasn't always been the they've been good on street courses, but it hasn't been their strong suit. The one I'm, you know, this is another one where it'd be nice to see Aaron Tielitz come back or someone in one of those yeah. party cars. Those guys have been by far the best team on street courses over the years. So it'd be agreed. And that's so. There's my there's my thing for you too, Steve. In in your digging, you did. Have you heard any news potentially of 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 Tielitz being back for Toronto? Um, yeah, I think there's a good chance he's back for Toronto for sure. Um, okay, I think Brian definitely wants to run the car, so just a matter of. You know, whether it works out, uh, whether Aaron can, you know, help with some budget or whether budget, he can yeah. find some budget or whether Brian just wants to run the car because, you know, it's a it's a race track that they've been really good at in the past. So, you know, it's like it's a sales, you know, it's it's a sales operation for Brian, too. Right? Yeah. Like he wants to make sure that and John Bruner, they want to make sure that, you know, they showcase their cars and, and that they can, you know, be a championship contender, whether whether the driver they have is in it or not this year, at least, you know, if someone knows they can win win with those cars there, it's... Yeah, and they've done it before, right? Yeah. Felix Rosenquist, I think, was a winner back there in Toronto a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. and they, yeah. Santa won last year one of the races, so, you know, they've yeah. been really good on the street courses in the past. They can get the job done. You're right. All right, let's 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 move now to... Uh, or Jet, any other thoughts on Indy Lights, or should we move to Indy no, Pro? I think we're ready to move to Indy Pro. Let's do it. Indy Pro 2000 as we take that one step down. Second level of the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Again, my name is Rob Howden. This is the Road to Indy Insider Breakdown Podcast. Joining us today, Steve Wittick from TSO Ladder and Trackside Online. Uh, 11 drivers coming uh, out for the Indy Pro 2000 race at Road America. And uh, it's I really like the driver lineup right now. I just think it's, you know, we've got guys that have worked their way up from USF 2000. We've got other drivers that have come in from different places, like Ian Rodriguez. Um, overall, let's, uh, I'll do a quick recap on race number one for Indy Pro. Uh, Parker Thompson qualifying on the pole position in the Able Motorsports machine, a solo effort this uh, past weekend at Road America, as Jacob Abel was actually at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex in the F3 category. Another addition, like Jeff Fickling joining BN Racing and Indy Lights, uh, Tom Knapp actually joining Parker Thompson and Abel Motorsports as the engineer. And those guys most definitely clicked as Thompson, as I said, qualifying on the pole. But uh, when the race rolled out, RP Motorsport USA, uh, that was a, a big weekend, big day for the team. Kyle Kirkwood, the champion from USF 2000 last year, becoming the dominant driver, kind of working his way out front and, and, and taking the race win. Ian Rodriguez. Rodriguez and only his second road to Indy weekend ends up finishing second. So RP first and second Parker Thompson, uh, I think a pretty crucial bounce back to third spot. Uh, again, the able motorsports coming into every weekend, essentially with a clean sheet of paper, they're just trying to build their data uh, for 2020 and beyond Parker Thompson in that number eight, finishing third Rasmus Lint, the point leader coming in finishes in the fourth spot and uh, Nikita uh, Lostishkin mm-hmm. as I'm, Working on that name now. Lestishka and Nikita having a great run. A couple of top five, actually a couple of fifth place finishes, I believe, throughout the weekend. Um, impressive run for Nikita as well, leading the way for uh, for exclusive autosport. So there's your lineup, top five, essentially, for race one. Uh, Steve, give me your input. What are your thoughts on uh, Kirkwood and Rodriguez? Uh, very impressed by uh, everybody involved with RP Motorsport right now. Uh, you know, they've slowly but surely made gains. They were quick last year, right, with Harrison Scott and – and they had a few yep. drivers. Will Guzman had a couple good events with them, and Teo Solorobo had some good events. So they've definitely had the pace, and it just, you know, they haven't been able to put together the greatest results this year. It hasn't been horrible. Um, Kyle's had a couple bad races, but it hasn't been bad. But it's uh, Indy Pro 2000 right now is interesting to me. We've had four race weekends, four different dominant teams. 
Um, Agreed. It's fascinating yeah. to me, right? Like how, you know, it's, it's, um, we'll, then we'll get to Toronto and we'll see if someone else, you know, maybe it's D force or, you know, someone else steps it up. But um, yeah, it's been interesting to see, but it, you know, Kirkwood back in the championship picture after a couple crummy races to start the season, to be honest with you. Yeah, you look at Kirkwood, like as you know, I'm announcing these races, and on two different races, one at St. Petersburg, and of course one at the Grand Prix weekend at Indianapolis, he comes in like opening lap or second lap with a with wing damage, right? Front wing damage from the issue at the start of the race. He's got to pull in. He ends up having to come back from the tail of the field. Uh, this one, of course, no issues. But uh, you know what? Great point coming up about the fact that each race weekend had one dominant team. And that's, that's a really, I, I picked that point up and had it in my notes for the weekend coming in because obviously Able Motorsports were rock stars in the opening weekend with Parker Thompson. Rasmus Lint ends up dom- dominating with Hunkos Racing at the Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix weekend and then exclusive Autosports with Daniel Frost win on the Oval. And then no, now, no, no, no. RP Motorsports Racing. But they, you know what, Steve, it, it kind of just shows the, the equality we have in terms of quality teams in the program. Yeah, it really does. You know, there's they're professional teams. There's uh, you know, this is not a, a club level team and or the club level series, and it shows. It's a professional race series, and you know, you've got these team owners. There's not one a single one of those those team owners that is not extremely passionate about winning races and doing well. So it's not a huge surprise. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to see, and it's gonna be fun to watch as as the season goes on. You know, we've got you know we also had you know Rasmus is. After last year, he had a very inconsistent year, showed a lot of speed. He's been the epitome of consistent this year so far. Agreed. Yes. And I think, hey, that's a great point because last year he was, like you said, blindingly fast. He got in a bunch, a couple of incidents with his teammate and other drivers, just guys being aggressive at the front. A lot of stuff happened at the start of races. But, man, you're right. He has been like Mr. Consistency throughout the season so far Just and just showing the maturity that you would want to see out of a driver in his second year in the road to Indy. Yeah, there's been times where he's he, you know, could have fought for a position. Like I think it was a Saturday's race, you know, he was able to get by Thompson for third, but then Parker came back on him, and that last year that might have ended up with both drivers with a DNF. But this year, Rasmus took his fourth place and and walked away and still has a nice yeah. lead. So That's it's it. you know, um, if he doesn't make mistakes, he's going to be hard to beat because he's definitely quick. There's no offense. Yeah, he did. That, he right? turned That's the fast. Smart. He turned the fast lap of the race as well, a two hundred two point two seven. Uh, but again, P four. How many times uh, in the your career covered races, uh, Steve? Have you looked back at a, at a, 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 a like a year's body of work that a driver did, and it wasn't really the wins or the second place finishes. It was it was managing those fourth and fourth, fifths and sixth or whatever that could have been tenth or worse. But they were exactly. they were still top fives, right? And that, yeah, especially exactly. especially coming in with the lead that he had, uh, to be able to to be smart like that and get a nice fourth place finish to start the weekend, I thought that was very impressive. Now, how about give me your thoughts on Ian Rodriguez? Because I know remember when he when he kinda came in, you know, you and I blowing through the stats and trying to figure out exactly where Ian came from and what he's done. First time we've had a driver from Guatemala in the road to Indy, but he's been quietly impressive. Yeah, he really has. He's uh, you know he's been a I think three years uh, in Italian F4, which, you know, people make fun of F4, but Italian F4 is a little different than the other F4 series. It's by far the uh, toughest of those series. And as well, his results weren't the greatest. He also wasn't with, you know, when you, when you look, it's hard sometimes to judge on, on European trained drivers because they, it, the teams aren't equal and then you don't get treated equally within a team all the time either. That's it depends it. on your budget and everything. So 
sometimes I have a hard time, you know, he, he finished races over there and was decently quick. So that's usually a good sign, but you never know. But yeah, he's been really impressive. Uh, you know, he's quick at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, didn't have a little bad luck, made a few mistakes, but a uh, mistake-free weekend and, and awfully impressive. Uh, a driver did have some trouble, which was which was rough. Was uh, Daniel Frost, of course. Daniel, you know, great start to the season in the championship hunt, and still is. Uh, won the Freedom ninety at Lucas Oil Raceway, but he had a pretty significant off uh, in qualifying at the very end of a qualifying session. Got to the wall after dropping the left side wheels uh, in that very quick turn seven uh, part of the racetrack. Got to the wall. And then in race number one, actually had an issue, went off course, I believe in turn number three, I think it was, um, yeah. ends up going off the racetrack with, with, with that. Was it, did you know exactly what happened? Was it damage or? Yeah, I think there was damage and it just, he just pulled off the side of the track and they towed him back to a, an open space down, I think in turn five, maybe. Yeah, definitely, yeah, shut down. definitely not the weekend he wanted. Cause again, he had an issue as well on, on Sunday. So. Yeah, it's tough to go back out. You know, I think that the crew did an awesome job putting the car back together, but, you know, hadn't been able to run it. So it's tough to, you know, to know exactly what's going to happen with it once you get it back on track. Let's cap off uh, race number one, the Saturday event in the Indy Pro 2000 category. Let's just give just give me your thoughts right now on Kyle Kirkwood, because kind of a kind of the breakthrough for Kyle. Uh, we saw him win so many races last year at USF 2000, resetting the single season victory number, the record. Uh, this could be a pretty big breakthrough for him to be able to score the win like he did yeah I, uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what he can if he keeps this rolling because he could, there's a good chance he could keep it rolling um you know that rp motorsport it, it takes a while to get used to a team and a different way of doing you know yep. it's a european team so they they do things a little bit differently than he's probably used to um and you know he, he said he's starting to get accustomed to them and they're getting accustomed to him and you know he, he fully admits it's the best engineer he's probably ever worked with nicholas or uh, Sitting, I can't remember. I need to go back and double check how to pronounce his name. But <laughs> no, it's I, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably one of the better engineers you've ever worked with. So it's just a matter of time before they kind of got together. Kyle's an awfully good driver and an awfully smart driver usually. So um, as long as he isn't pushing too hard, he'll, you know, these were these wins this weekend reminded me a lot of his USF 2000 wins. He wasn't necessarily the quickest car all weekend, but he raced the best all weekend. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good uh, summary of that for sure. All right, uh, moving into race number two. And the interesting thing for me at Call in the Races was uh, all the races, Steve, race two on Sunday, uh, we went green to checker in all three races, USF 2000, Indy Pro, and Indy Lights. I thought that was pretty impressive for those guys. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah, completely different than last year. Remember last year, those USF and uh, Indy Pro races were a mess. So it was good to see them keep it clean. Uh, Good for the crews and uh, uh, again, Rasmus Lint qualifying on the pole. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood uh, quickly though able to jump out. Of course, uh, Lint led early uh, for the first five laps, and then Kyle, Kyle, you know, Kyle was just kind of right there, kind of stuck with him. Eventually, made the pass, uh, and Rasmus didn't pull away either. I mean, uh, rather Rasmus didn't lose no. lose Kyle. No. Kyle wasn't able to pull away. Only a half a second of the line. They essentially they pulled away by over seven seconds for the rest of the field. But just that pass, great pass for Kyle down into turn number five. One of those really, you know, the pass I like. The aggressive pass where you get in there. I always say you when you own the apex, you own the exit. Yep. And he got to the apex and a little bit of contact. Car kind of got sideways a bit. It was just it was just a really good pass. I thought it was quality down in five. And uh, he held on from there. That's such a simple corner, but it's such a great corner. 
Maybe, no, I think it is. It's the, it, it's the downhill into it. And then, you know, it's the downhill. Yeah. yeah. And the and the way the the corner kind of turns to the left, right? Because if you anybody's seen it on TV, you see them coming down, and it kind of turns to the left. So if you're on the inside and you're at the grass, well, as it turns, the track opens up yeah. for you because you're you're not you're naturally tracking to the outside to be able to get the best braking line, you know, just inside the rumbles, and then you know be able to get the car to rotate. You really have to rotate the car, I think, there to get back up the hill to six, and man, that's just such a great. Corner, and it's not like, five it and like a ninety, but it's not right. It's maybe one hundred and ten, right? No. Like it's 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 <laughs> right. That's right. It, yeah. And it just it because it's just a little bit more than ninety. It makes it it tough. It's tough to get the right. It's, it's hard to hit that apex. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if you do overcook it, making the pass, and it's not right that you get. It's a, such an easy over under yeah. for the guy to just check up, get back to the throttle early and beat you up the hill to the, uh, the left hand blind left hand turn number seven. So uh, just a great combination of corners, uh, five and six. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood gets a win. As I said, half a second uh, victory over Rasmuth Lance. So he completes the double uh, at road America, huge for Kyle on the points as well. We'll talk about that after we wrap up here. Uh, Parker Thompson coming back for another third place finish was in the middle of a couple of good battles, but ends up finishing third. Ian Rodriguez fourth. So a couple of top fives for Rodriguez and uh, Lestishkin again, Nikita Lestishkin for exclusive autosport fifth. Again, two top fives for Nikita, a real solid weekend for the veteran driver in the road. Game. Yeah, it really was. And it, you know, Two bad races in a row for Frost, and uh, also Stingray Rob was a little bit of a surprise to see him struggle a little bit this week. And it's a pace, but you know, yeah. just the finishes weren't there. It's first lap, uh, you know, first lap coming together with other drivers, and that uh, kind of pushed him back. And uh, yeah, I think he lost a Cambershim in, in one of the races too. I read that that he, you know, a Cambershim popped out, which That's obviously just kind of destroys the whole setup in the car. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I'll, I'll just add this in, that really kind of characterized that particular race, the Indy Pro 2000 race, was you know, we had some racing up front, some, some good battles, but it was the fight for like 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th yeah. at one point, which was amazing, right? It was it was Moises De La Vera, Corey Enders, Antonio Cervale, uh, Philippe Dennis, and Jacob Loomis, the privateer in there. Man, that was just, that was just really good racing. Uh, for just you know, essentially outside the top five, but man, they were just they were going at it. It was awesome to watch. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, those guys. It's interesting that group is. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I. You know, you know me. I won't generally pull any punches. I'm a little surprised at the pace that D Force has had. I've ex- expected a little bit more from Agreed. and yep. Corey both because yep. they're both very good drivers. Um, so I'm a little surprised. Hopefully they can pick it up. But yeah, it was good. Uh, Loomis just keeps getting better too, right? Like it's it's yes. a matter of time before. You know he breaks into the top five, and and actually Dennis has done a really good job with that team too. And you know, um, I think they'll uh, they're going to come back with a new engineer maybe at Toronto, and uh, I expect them to be a little better too. Yeah, Philippe Dennis running with uh, Fat Boy Racing and Jacob Loomis, essentially a privateer team, his own program. JD, I think it's JDL mm-hmm. Racing, I believe. They, there's a name, a little twenty foot trailer. Moses Smith helping out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, no, it's it's great to see. Great, great looking car with a McLaren Papaya orange. Um, just beautiful car, man. Jacob did a great job in finishing sixth. Yeah. Um, my, you know, I just I probably could it for the first race, but I ended up going with Kyle Kirkwood for my star of the race. Um, I had Ian Rodriguez in the, in the opening race and Kyle for this one because just for him to be able to come out here at, with the stresses he had before, knowing he had to, to deliver, right, to get himself back in the championship battle, man, he just essentially a, a flawless weekend. Yeah, it was right? absolutely, yeah, it doesn't get much better than what he had. He led practice. You know, he wasn't, 
His qualifying wasn't the quickest, but that's uh, it doesn't matter when you've got a good race car and, and stellar racecraft like that's he it. is. You know, I don't, you know, we've you and I have both been doing this a while, and Kyle Kyle's racecraft is one of the best I've seen in a, in a while. You know, he's uh, he's up there with one of the top in the road to Indy that I've seen in a while. He doesn't, uh, doesn't, yeah. you know, he made a few mistakes early this season, but you know, it's usually not something that happens in his, you know, he's not one to, you know, if he starts fifth, it, don't count him out. Anything else uh, in race two that, that kind of jumped out at you for Indy? Uh, Pro? No, I really don't think so. It was, uh, you know, fairly, not, not the mo- absolutely straightforward race, but fairly straightforward race. Um, yeah. You know, we still got a great championship battle. So, yeah, Steve, you mentioned it early, uh, the fact that Rasmuth Lint, uh, you know, just a smart weekend for him. Didn't He had had, had the pace, was on pole, obviously, for race number two. You do have to remember, we only get five sessions at Road America, and he was off early in that very first session, so he didn't get any lap time. I think he overcooked yep. it into five um, and was off. Like So he missed most yeah, of that first session, laps, so kind of on the so. back foot. Yeah. Yeah, kind of on the back foot. Uh so that solid run, like you said, to fourth on on Saturday, and then ends up with the second place finish on on Sunday. He still has a pretty nice twenty nine point lead over Parker Thompson. Good recovery for Parker with a couple of third place finishes, but I think we know this program it's precarious, yep. right? He's not in the he's not in the seat for the nope. entire year. Uh, I think if he stays in championship contention, they're going to keep him in the car. He's going to continue to get data for Jacob Abel next year. Because uh, you got to have that data for all the tracks. He's only 29 points back. Kyle Kirkwood now with this monster weekend, only one point behind Thompson. So he's 30 points back. And then you go 37 points back to Daniel Frost uh, with 152 points. And Stingray Rob, I think, is still in it as well. He's Lint's teammate at Hunkos Racing, 146 points. So he's about 43 back. But, again, all it takes is, you know, Lint has a bad weekend and Rob gets his right. first wins which I think are coming. I think Stingray Rob's going to win a race. Oh, yeah, I, would, I expect he will too. Um, he'll just, he'll need to hit the mark and, and be right on his game. Uh, but no, I think he's going to be in the, in the fight to win a race as well. So five guys probably still oh, in the sure. championship. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it, I really don't have a favorite in that group. You know, Lynn just Lynn because just because of the 29 point lead, but um, yeah, know, they're still, you know, we've still got, you know, we've still got the wild card of Toronto coming up. So <laughs> I was just—I was just going to say yeah. that. I said, I, and I told everybody. I, told, I was telling the drivers that too. I said, you never mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. You don't at Toronto because turn one yep. and turn yeah, three. Look at last year. Last <laughs> right? year was a mess, simple right? as that. Yeah, and that it was, was where exactly. Renus so, took that championship last year with two really good, smart drives yep. there. So that's it. That's it. And that's and you never know what's going to happen. Qualifying up front's key for Toronto. You want to get out uh, front early and, and be able to get through one and three cleanly. So we'll see. I love the championship battle. Rasmus Lind, as we said, with a 29-point lead over Parker Thompson and a 30-point lead over, over uh, Kyle Kirkwood, Daniel Frost, and Stingray Rob, most definitely in the fight. All right, let's jump into uh, USF 2000. I'll go a quick recap on the opening race. Another well, let's say not another, but the first one was a green to checker. No, no yellows at all, which I thought was amazing. A lot of penalties coming down for blocking yeah. and avoidable contact, but uh, but we didn't get any yellows. Um, I first and foremost, let's say congrats to Colin Kaminsky, definitely coming into his own with Paps Racing in the twenty three qualified on pole, second consecutive pole position. But it was his teammate Hunter McElroy. Uh, the Kiwi in the number twenty two, able to kind of pull away, got not pull away, able to get by for the win. And then he and Kaminsky kind of stretched away for a bit. And then Hunter actually, you know, eventually 
went on to a, a 3.5 second victory. Kaminsky, though, second, uh, his second consecutive podium finish as well. So a great run for him. For Colin, really strong at a track that he kind of started at. And then really, uh, you know, I thought a tremendous drive. Started sixth, got, gets up into third, an important run for Cameron Shields, Steve. He ends up in the third spot. Yeah, it was a very good run for Cameron. A lot of good runs, actually, for some guys that needed it uh, in that first race. Um, kind of kept the uh, – Bray Neves even had a very good run after a, yep. you know, a slow start to the weekend. Um, you know, there was a, there were some very good runs there. You know, Hunter really wanted that win and really, you know, kind of needed that win. And, you know, I'm not going to say he was down, but, yeah, he was down, you know, coming into the weekend. He knew he needed to get a win and wanted to get that – checked off his list and now I think yeah you know things didn't work out Sunday the way he wanted to but I think he should be a uh, force the rest of the the season now that he's got that win and um interesting interesting Steve I talked to him on IndyCar radio uh, after you know after, after he had uh, qualified so well and, and he and I talked I, he's it was it's the longest he has ever gone without a victory that's amazing yeah. was the start of the season right because he's used to winning races right. and he I asked him uh, what kind of pressure he's put on himself. And he actually was very honest. He said, he said, I'm probably putting too much pressure on myself. You know what I mean? I think he knew the negative side of the fact that he really wants to win, but he was putting so much pressure to get that first win. That was probably, you know, it's going to, it's going to affect his decision-making on the track, which is key. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it definitely right? will. Um, yeah, no, it really does affect your decision-making. You know, you've got, you know, if that's your only chance to move on. Then you, you know, it's tough. I think a lot of people yeah. don't understand how much pressure some of these kids put on themselves because it's the only way they can make a career out of it is to keep winning. And that's it. You know, Hunter's sort of in that situation. He won the, the $200,000 shootout, but now he's got to, you know, keep winning to keep moving up. And um, he went along, he did went a long way to kind of improving those chances this weekend. Let's talk a bit about the race itself as well. Uh, contact between Darren Keene and Alex Barron on the opening lap. I think kind of congestion kind of blocked people up a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, Keene got off a little bit. Barron made a, aggressive move to the apex and there was contact there. I think uh, Suleiman might've been in that as well. Both uh, Keen and Barron dropped to the tail of the field. Barron eventually, um, I believe did Barron, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he got a penalty, but he actually, I think it was damage to the car. He ended up coming in uh, on lap number seven. Yeah. Uh, Keen fought his way back forward after falling to the tail of the field, ends up with a 12th place finish. Not a bad Recovery good result, recovery. considering the fact that he's still trying to be in the championship battle. Yep. Uh, other highlights, I think, Paps Racing, super strong. Uh, first and second with Macaray and Kaminsky, but also sixth and seventh with Bruno Tomaselli and Yuvin Sundaramurthy. Top seven for all four of their cars. Augie Paps and Tony's Kasimitz really put a good car together for Road America. Uh, late in the race, actually, we had the contact, uh, you know, final lap between Jack Crawford and the number 52. I can't remember who it was that he actually got into the back of. Um, Might have been ba- Barrichello. No, Rasmussen. no, it was uh, Rasmussen, Christian yeah. Rasmussen. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Jack Crawford getting a drive through penalty. Uh, actually, no, a 30 second penalty, not a drive through, a 30 second penalty, uh, which dropped him down the order. Where, where was he? Was he about six or something like that at that point? Yeah, Do you remember? Yeah, seventh. Uh, let me look at my notes. Hang on. Yeah, I, I want to say he was like seventh, sixth or seventh. Uh, yeah, they were battling for sixth. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, so again, the contact, uh, Rasmussen goes off track, and that was uh, – it was interesting. It was interesting because that was in Canada Corner. Uh, Rasmussen looked like he was trying to run the middle line. Crawford was potentially trying to come, you know, across from left to right to make a pass at the apex. 
but clipped the gearbox and sent Rasmussen around with a pr- for pretty hard yeah, contact action the wall. wall. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised by how how hard it yeah. was. Yeah. Anyways, that's kind of that's kind of my yeah. look. Uh, I thought you know I thought overall great run for Hunter Macri up top. Kaminsky's the one that really impressed me. We actually had Colin in the booth, the PA booth, with us as a driver analyst for the Indy Pro Race on Sunday. Did a tremendous job on the PA. Uh, and again, as I said, big one for Cameron Shields. He needed to get back on the podium for Newman Walks Racing. And you'd mentioned Braden Eves. We haven't talked a lot about it, but he started eighth. And they just he didn't really have great pace early. When we get to race number two, we're going to see how the progression came throughout the weekend. But a P4 run for Braden Eves, this guy's got a solid hold in the championship battle right Yeah, now. he does. And I don't, I can't remember where they were in practice, but they might have even been lower than the eighth place. They eighth spot he started. Yeah. He was ten, he, he was tenth, tenth right? There. So they, uh, they yeah. just that team didn't have quite the uh, pace that they normally have, and that's a track they've done well at in the past. So it's a little surprising, yep. but. Um, you know, Kirkwood have good pay. They've never that it's interesting, those guys at Cape, yeah, they win a lot of polls, but they're you generally focus on race pace. But even, you know, early in the weekend that didn't look like they were on race pace, but come race one. Well Darren Keen Keen was yeah, Keen was significantly yeah. quicker than than Eves uh through practice, no doubt about that. You know, and and eventually Keen was I think he was top five the entire weekend pace wise. So uh Braden just had to pick it up and kind of get it, and he did. So let's quickly jump into race number two. Here's the recap uh, again, which was awesome. Green to checker, uh, which made it a little bit easy, easier for us, too, because the, the schedule was unbelievably tight on Sunday morning. Uh, we had to get our Indy Pro 2000 podium done and out of the victory lane area at Road America because that's where they did the intros from, the entire uh, driver intro and in, uh, race you know, for the NTT IndyCar Series race. So, Every race went green to checker, which made it a lot easier for all of us. I actually had a minor little kind of a I – could, I could actually walk to the next place. It made place it easier for, for you, uh, but for those nice. of us uh, doing the word side of things, no cautions makes it uh, yeah, brutal yeah. to write up sometimes to get everything done. But we got to take care. And that's it. You, you, you and I talked about that. That's that's a vi- that's a viable thing. Is the kit when we're back to back, it's hard for you. Yeah. To, you're not going to get to interview drivers because you're already watching the next race. And yeah, I'm not going to complain. I'm anyways green to checker. Yeah, that's this is true, right? Me, so. there's, there's worse things to complain about. Uh, he starts second. This race really was all about Braden News. Braden was able to go uh, up front. Uh, very early, took the lead from Hunter McElroy on the second lap and, and essentially walked away to a 4.5-second win. Uh, he gets the fastest lap as the leader, fastest leader lap, but it was actually his teammate, Darren Keene, who turned the quickest lap of the race, a, a 210.1826. A great recovery for Darren Keene. He ended up giving my, getting my, uh, my um, what do you call it, star of the race, simply because he's had just like the absolute worst yeah, luck. He really has. I, I don't just, know if there's a driver I know that has had as bad luck as he's had in the last year and a half or two years. It's, it's Steve, I, I would I remember announcing races and you know we you're looking at the monitors and you look up and there's a wreck and you're you know as you're trying to survey it, you figure out what happened. We don't because we don't get the you know we don't get usually get many many access to to, to replays. But it's just it, it inevitably it was somebody together with yeah. with Darren Key. Well, you know, whether it was a D Force car that got a team Pelfrey over the last couple of years. It just yeah. it was crazy how many times he just would get collected and not of his own doing. So I was pretty happy to see him uh, be able to come home uh second. And then Hunter McElregan holding on uh for third, his second consecutive podium after the win on Saturday. 
But you mentioned this, Steve. We'll we'll go back and look at more. Uh, Colin Kaminsky getting fourth, Christian Rasmussen in, in fifth. K Motorsports, like you said, they were seems like they were little little off. Uh, we're missing a little bit of pace at the start of the weekend. They end up P one, P two in the final race of the weekend. Yeah, back not the a first shot, and second. Right? For they, uh, they generally always get it right. out, and they got it. Uh, when it came down to race, they yep. raced well. Um, and you know, there's a third member of that team that we actually should talk about: Reese Gold. Uh, Reese, you know, he, yeah. he's learning. He's 14. Um, came out of the Lucas Oil School of uh, Racing Formula Car Series. Won that last year. Um, he's been the top 10 machine so far this year, right? Not making mistakes, completing every lap, and in some good battles too. So, um, you know, there's a couple yeah. of riders like him. So he did battles. So, yeah, some really good battles. Like, like, and again, I, I throw, I kind of throw yeah. Nolan Siegel in there as well, and 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 the 14. Yeah, and Yuvin Sunder Murthy. These guys are in the middle of these good, good battles, like dog fights, running from like anywhere from eighth to whatever thirteenth, fourteenth sometimes. But the, the amount that they're learning. Doing that, I think, has been has been great. And you're right, Reese Gold, you know, in an interesting position too. The third driver at Cape Motorsports, you know, the two guys that um, he's running with, significantly older, you know, 18, 19 years of age. He's only 14, so it's a five year gap. Um, but you know, still the team works really well together. Reese could run USF 2000 for yep. three years, and still, exactly. right, still yeah. only be 17. Yeah, yeah make <laughs> you feel old, right? Yeah. Well, it's true, but it's and and he's got the talent. I've watched, you know, I watched Reese come through the uh, uh, the mini categories and junior yeah. categories in, in American karting, and I just the one thing about Reese was in his karting days, and I'm, I know we're going to see this in the road to Indy. Even if Reese started at the very tail of the field, his racecraft was so good uh, that he would be able to just work his way to the front, and you know, always on good equipment. But man, he's it's he's I always like when a guy will. When you get there, he you pass with this with decisiveness. Yep. He did not not wait, and I think that's going to be something that's going to work well for Reese. But just the just the sheer wheel to wheel racing he's done, and I'll give the same thing to Nolan Siegel. Yep. Both of those drivers have completed every lap this year. Yep. They've been mm-hmm. battling like crazy, and that's all you can ask for these young guys: fight mm-hmm. hard, battle hard, and don't make any mistakes. And neither of those drivers have made those mistakes. Yeah, and you've been Thunderruthy, sort of in the same category. He's a couple years yep. older than those guys, sixteen, but again, he's completed every lap. I think there's five drivers that have completed every lap. And, yep. You know, two or 14 year olds and one's a 16 year old rookie that those, that's impressive for those guys. You know, it's track times, everything these days. And the, sometimes your best track times during the race weekend and uh, during the yep. race. So, you know, those guys getting to run every lap so far is huge for their development down the road. You know, uh, one of the, um, I went with Darren Keane as my star of the race, but you know, I think who, who else I, I thought turned a great run in and, and it's kind of starting to fight up there in the, in the top 10. It was Eduardo Barrichello. I agree. Uh, in the, yeah, in the Miller Vinatieri Motorsports number 41 machine. It really had a good weekend overall. Started 13th, uh, ended up finishing seventh, you know, was right there in the middle of the fight battling with Matt Round Garrido and Cameron Shields and, and, and Reese. Uh, I thought that was, I thought he did a great job. I think, yeah, he was battling, I think with Tomaselli and Sundra Murthy at one point too. So yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a really good run for Eduardo. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. He's been, uh, he's just been chipping away at it. And you know, that's sort of yep. was his dad's MO, right. Too. He just sort of quietly did his job and quietly got better. And that's sort of where Eduardo's at. He just keep, he keeps getting better and better. Um, as that team sort of, you know, you got to remember that's a brand new team in USF 2002, that's right? It. So there's a learning curve, not yep. just with the driver, but with the team. So as, if they get their hand or get their arms around the whole entire program, it keeps getting quicker and quicker. And I'll, I'll get big, down Garrido yep. too. 
Yeah. 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 Remember, he went uh, back to the back in the first lap there. He drove his way back yep. up to eighth, right? So. I thought it was a tremendous yeah. run for him. Um, he, and, and, and with a yeah. new team. He moved over to BN Racing yeah. as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do the rest of the season. So let's have a look at the championship battle here now in the Cooper Tires USF 2000 championship. Braden Eves still with that massive lead, uh, 41 points now. Big lead over Hunter McElroy. But again, Eves comes back with the win. But McElroy's got that first win. Look out, mm-hmm. right? Right. We, anytime you get that first victory, you kind of, you know, like you said, take the pressure off. He'll get on it, potentially get on a run. Colin Kaminsky now in the third spot. Darren Keene, fourth. A good second place finish there. Brought him up to fourth. But he is 83 points behind his teammate. Braden's in a really good position here right now to take a run at this championship. But again, the Toronto factor. You never know what's going to happen. And you know what? Not even just Toronto. Also yep. Portland. Turn one, the festival festival curves at, at Portland can make things exciting. That's it. You can have a big lead. And he's got a big one right now. We said he's got 41 points over over McElroy, uh, 73 points over Kaminsky, and 83 points over over uh, Keene. And don't let's not count out Cameron Shields as well. 118 points, still a long way back, and uh, Shields will need some wins. But uh, you just never know what's going to happen. But Eve's a smart driver. You mentioned about Rasmus Lint, Steve. He could probably go out there and bang out a bunch of fourth place finishes for the yeah, rest exactly. of the year. And win yeah, the and that's um, in. Braden's smart enough to understand that too. And, um, you know, it's going to take Hunter McElroy is going to have to win races. I, you know, I'd love to see Colin Kaminsky and Darren Keene and Cameron Shields get back to into it, but I, that's pretty, that's a tough, that's a tall tale, right? Or that's a tall, right? Like that's going to be very tough for them, but, um, you know, McElroy, Hunter has to win races now. It's that simple. Um, it's just that, you know, you get that five yep. extra points, right? It's huge. So, you know. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we qualify on the yeah, pole and, and, and win some races. the point where you start walking, yeah, start watching your bonus points too, right? Like you get a chance and you're yep. running, running, you that's know, maybe fourth, and you go, wait, wait, I can get a fastest lap here. You got, you better do it because it's- yeah, I got to drop the hammer. That's right. No, you're not wrong. Well, so there's there's the breakdown, folks, of the three Road America events on this Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Steve Wittick from TSOLadder.com and Trackside Online joining us here today. Again, my name is Rob Howden. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much for for downloading the podcast. You know, let's uh, let's cap let's cap off, and we'll talk about Toronto a little bit first. I do want we'll talk a little bit about the IndyCar race just because it's fun to do that. Um, the next race coming up for for USF 2000 uh, Indy Pro and Indy Lights. We go to the streets of Toronto. Uh, from there, the end of the month at Mid-Ohio, a triple header for the drivers in USF 2000. Uh, as kind of a long-range preview, Steve, you and I, you know, back in our home country, the, the home race in Toronto, we love being there, love being – the atmosphere there is tremendous. I know you grab an Airbnb. We're downtown with the, with the series, bars, restaurants everywhere. People love coming to Toronto. Yeah, it's a great atmosphere in Toronto. Uh, great racetrack, too. Uh, another street course, but uh, drivers tend to enjoy it. It's – not as bumpy as it once was, and it's fast. It's a very fast street course. So, uh, and I, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk to Jeff Atkinson and everybody yet from the series. What have they done anything at all to the track in terms of you know that last kind of eight, nine, ten, eleven combination that they worked I think on? It last? stayed fairly similar this year. Um, yeah, I haven't really. Okay. That'll be my next goal is to get a get caught up on what's going on there. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, you know that section you know isn't the isn't ideal, but the rest of the track is fantastic. It's good. Well, and again, it's it's not it's not ideal, but it's one of the hardest. I think one of the hardest sections of uh, of any track on the 2019 oh, schedule. Sure. That's so yeah. tough, right? It's really tough because you're 
you're coming in, you know, you're coming into turn number eight. Uh, you've got the different, you know, the concrete and you've got the, the new asphalt they put down. It's bumpy. You know, there's no runoff on the outside if you make a mistake in eight. Then you come into that nine, ten, tens off camber. You're up on top of the uh, the curbing on the inside, off camber right hander. No Back to the left. It's <laughs> not at all, right? And nothing. it's. Hey, listen, we we saw guys in USF 2000 tag the wall on the outside of turn 10 or 11, whatever they yep. call the final corner on the front straight. And we also saw Joseph Newgarden yep. do it, right? It's, it just, it, it bites you. It's just such a tough part of that racetrack for sure. Um, any, uh, any predictions? Who do you think is going to be good there? Well, you want to stay away from predictions? I don't, I, you know what? That's a heck of a good question. Um, yeah. You know, I guess you look back to who was good at uh, St. Pete, maybe. It's kind of where you go. And yeah. it was, you know, Eve's. You know, Cape seems to have a pretty good street course setup. Um, How about Darren? Listen, let's look at Darren Keene, right? Darren, I think Darren Keene would have been on pole probably for both races, except for the fact that that this transponder didn't work in qualifying for race number one. He had to start the tail of the field, even though his fast lap would have put him on the pole. I think Keene, I think think he's going to be one to watch for sure. And I think McElroy is going to be really impressive. Eves is going to be good, but I just think I think Keen's there's an opportunity for him to have a break. I actually agree with you. Yeah, it's a tough, and it's you know there's not uh, a lot of experience guys that raced there before in USF 2000, and it's definitely it, yeah. you know with 30 minutes of practice before you go into qualifying, it's tough to learn a track, and it's not one. It's not like you know one you can play on a game or right or a simulator. Yeah, it's tough, time. right? Like you've got to learn it. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy track to learn, and there's a lot of rookies there, so it'll be interesting to see. Which of the rookies yeah. actually picks it up the quickest? Well, and again, because you know, you, if you're a rookie at Road America and you're pushing hard, you drop a wheel here, you drop a wheel there. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, no a, on a street circuit, yeah, exactly. You you're kind of tiptoeing up against the edge because if you go over it, uh, you're damaged your car. You're done with only five sessions, like you said. Like man, it's there's peril yeah. around every corner. Now, Indy Pro Two Thousand. It's weird to me because I'm, I'm going to say <clears throat> Parker Thompson loves it's his home track. Obviously, a lot of pressure on him that weekend with media, media and sponsors and everything. But he loves the track. He's won there before, like you know, did so well in USF 2000. Some heartbreaking Indy Pro last year with the incident that you know, a really expensive incident in turn one that really damaged his budget and kind of put him on the back foot for the rest of the year. But he likes the racetrack, but then Able Motorsports comes in with no data, well, except for the fact that they were awesome at on the yeah. awesome at St. Petersburg. So, yeah, no, uh, and and right? with Tom Knapp now, they've you know they're going to have some more experienced street course engineer on board, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. And, and that's You're you know, right. Junkos right. has always Junkos has always been really fast there, so. And RP had a fast cars there yesterday or last year. Harrison Scott didn't finish the races, but he was quick. So that's true. Now in the in the lights, uh, you know, Hunkos Racing and, and, and Renas VK. You got to think Renas, of course, was so good there last year, dominated in Indy Pro. Uh, do you think that he's got what it takes? The momentum coming in to do it again? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me in the least. It really wouldn't. The only, remember, the only issue last year was is that uh, Yunkos really didn't get a lot of track time because that was the whole kind of budget issue with right. Victor, right? And he kind of sat out a little bit. So that's another thing to take take into consideration. No, it is, and it's you know it hasn't necessarily been the greatest track for Andretti in the past either, right? So it's, yeah. you know, yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see which you know, like, <laughs> it is this where is this where maybe you know like BN had pretty quick cars at uh, St. Pete too, and with 
Jeff on board, maybe this is where they break out, right? Like I does Toby, I, yeah, does Toby Sauer get a win this year at some point? I don't know when, but yeah. it wouldn't shock me in the least if he does, and I actually kind of expect him to. So maybe this is when that happens. I, it's hard to say, right? Like it's like it's street course racing. I love it. It's best. It's, it's the coolest part of IndyCar because it's just. It, I agree. It's like roulette. You never know. What you're I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's like it's it's again it's, it's the it's the boxing side of it, right? The MMA kind of thing. Get out there, get your elbows up, mm-hmm. and uh, and just and, and muscle the car around. I love it. Toronto, Toronto's probably my favorite race of the year, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting there. Uh, let's wrap it up. Road America, pretty awesome IndyCar race. I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, just to, just to watch the storylines all through. You know, Scott Dixon coming back after the issue in qualifying with a blown motor, gets spun out of the opening lap, fights his way back up. But, Dan, the bottom line is just a smackdown from Alexander Russell. Yeah, yeah wow. it really was. And it's just, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Alex is, Alexander is driving as well as he ever has and driving as well as anybody has in the last few years. But that's a full team effort there, right? Like, it, like that car, yeah. whatever they've got going on between him and Jeremy Millis and that engineering group on that 27 car, man, they are, they've got it figured out right now. He's uh, He's been fast everywhere. And, uh, you know, he's driving really well, too. So, it, and you and you know what you want the way he was able to maximize the tires and really take care of the tires and, and stretch another couple of laps when other guys were coming in he was getting himself ahead uh, on you know and just ma- managing the gap making sure that he was able to run a certain lap time that took care of the tires everybody else had trouble even with the blacks falling off at yeah. the end and Alex was in great shape turning them awesome laps on the at the end of a stint yeah it's uh, yeah they've uh, there are they've, you know. There's, there's no reason they couldn't have won five races already this year, right? That group. So, um, you yeah. know, there's a good chance they're going to be in contention everywhere. In fact, I expect them to be. Um, you know, he's going to have bad luck because that always happens. But I expect that, uh, you know, the championship's going to be interesting. You know, I think so too. Ever, I think you know, I'm excited about for it. For IndyCar's sake, Joseph Newgarden versus Alexander Rossi. Pretty good story. That's pretty, oh, that's a pretty good story. You're right. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad story at all. I right? like it. Well, Steve, let's wrap this up, man. I appreciate you joining me here today. Thanks for taking out some time mm-hmm. and to chat about Road America. Looking forward to getting to Toronto and uh, kind of being back yeah. home. Yeah, nothing nothing like going home. I get to go up a few days early. My parents have a cottage or my mom has a cottage up in Sobel Beach, and I get to go up there. Maybe I'll try and get to Sobel Speedway uh, one night, uh, get some local yes. stock car action where I grew up going to races <laughs> in a good old uh, quarter-mile uh, paved oval. My dad was always really, really good at Sobble Speedway. He used to race there all the time. Now, hey, here's the thing: what what day is today? Even June the 27th. Yeah. It's Thursday. Got a kind of a kind of chill out weekend here. I'm actually coming to your neck of the woods for July 5th, and right. 6th, and 7th. Looking carding. forward to going. That'll yeah. be fun. You sat carding, battle at the Brickyard inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm running a bunch of old guy <laughs> classes, and uh, it's going to be fun. 428 wow. pre entries. That's crazy. Yeah, but. but the Briggs and Stratton categories have anywhere between 40 and 55 drivers, I think. So it's, it's big. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, Steve, thank you so much for joining me, buddy. I appreciate it. Have fun. And uh, the brick here. All right. Let's uh, one. I always like to wrap it up. How do people sign up for trackside online and TSO ladder? Um, TSO ladder is free to read at TSO ladder.com. You know what, if you want to subscribe and get the emails there, use the, uh, Sign up and use the code Cooper, and you'll get a uh, you know you'll get the email sent to you. That's usually ten dollars, but our friends at Cooper help us out there, and they'll uh, they'll hook you up. And then uh, TracksideOnline.com is twenty two dollars for IndyCar news. Uh, you'll get uh, all kinds of inside information. I've got a couple articles I'm working on now that should be fun. 
That's a great thing about what you guys do, Steve, right? You can get it on the website, but it also, you email everything to people and they just yep. read it on their email as well. I love yep. it. Yeah. You, again, folks, anytime I'm working IndyCar radio uh, on the IndyCar broadcast, I got to make sure every morning I, or the night before and the morning, I make sure I read Steve and Patrick's notes, what's going on for the paddock, because those guys are in the paddock. I'm busy doing other things. They make sure I'm up to speed. So I do appreciate that, Steve. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on again. We're done, folks. This is it. The Road to Indy Insider, episode number 19, the breakdown podcast of the Road to Indy's recent events at Road America. As Steve and I detailed a couple of weeks away, back to the streets of Toronto as we continue to uh, watch this season, the 2019 campaign, watch it develop and unfold. Thanks again, Steve Wittick. Thanks for tuning in, folks, to the Road to Indy Insider podcast.